Let's pray, and we will dig into chapter 15 of Matthew. God, we thank you, Father, for your word. We thank you, Lord, that there is things in here, Lord God, that this isn't just a Dr. Seuss book, God. Lord, that it's not just about something easy to grab hold of and easy to understand, but that, Lord, there's depth here, Lord. There's so much depth, Father, that we'll never stop growing. We will never stop learning from your word, Lord. And so, Lord, I pray now as we dig through this passage, Lord, as we look at these verses, God, Father, would you first and foremost, God, if there be anything that you don't want said that I've written down in my notes, God, would you kill it? Lord, would you make that not said? Father, we want to hear from you. Lord, I need you to speak. God, no one came to listen to a man. We came to hear from you, God. And so, God, I'm, I'm asking. God, I'm, I'm praying, Father, for all of us. Lord, we, we are all here asking you. Please speak, God. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So... We are in chapter 15. You guys remember what we looked at a little bit uh, over the past couple weeks, right? We remember the, John the Baptist died. They go across the thing. As they're going across, 5,000 men plus women and children are chasing them around the, the border of the Sea of Galilee, right? Then they get to the other side. As soon as they get off the boat, here they are. They're met by all these people. Jesus has compassion, even though he just lost his cousin, even though he very well could have, in his flesh, said give me a break. But he didn't. And so he heals and he talks and he ministers to these. And then he uses it as an, as an offer opportunity for his disciples, right? To be like, Hey, you got 5,000 men and women and children and they come and they're just done. And they're like, can you just send them away? Remember? And then he's like, no, you do it. You fix this. And so we looked at all that. And then remember, they go back across And they're sent out before that. And then like between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. after Jesus has been up on the mountain praying on his own, he comes walking, not on the the ground, but on the water, freaks him out, right? Peter gets out of the boat. The other 11 are still in the boat. It's awesome. It's a cool picture. Peter loses his lunch, right? He's like realizing that he's like, man, I'm not surfing on a board. And so he starts sinking, Jesus picks them up and puts them back in the boat. They get there. That's where we're at. They just arrived, and here they are. So at some point, after all the stuff we've read over the last couple weeks, here's what we read in chapter 15, verse 1. It says, Then the scribes and Pharisees who were from Jerusalem came to Jesus saying, Boy, this is going to end well. Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. You guys, the Pharisees and the scribes, they come all the way from Jerusalem. Now, keep in mind where we're at here. I didn't put a map up. Maybe I should have. Sorry. But remember where Jesus did most of his ministry? Capernaum, right basically all around the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee is north from Judea, which is where Jerusalem is, which is kind of down here. So for scribes and Pharisees to come all the way up from there is a big deal. This wasn't just the local synagogue. This wasn't just the people that he's been interacting with here and there. Probably 10 to 1, they got mad because they're like, oh man, you guys remember, I don't know how many chapters ago when he healed the man with the hand on the Sabbath. You guys remember that? And he did that right in the synagogue. Those guys, I mean, I'm, this is my assumption. I'm, this isn't, we don't know. 
But 10 to 1, they're down there tattletailing on Jesus, right? Like, you know what this guy did on the Sabbath, right? And so, because that's how they all talked, in case you didn't know. (laughs) But these Pharisees and scribes come up from Jerusalem, and I want to point out that this wasn't just any Pharisee or scribe. This was a delegation that was sent directly from Jerusalem. This was a huge deal. There's a clear distinction here. This would sort of be like, for lack of a better example, the Vatican in Rome sending a delegation to Great Bay Calvary to check out what we're doing here. I mean, I can't think of a better example, and that would never happen. <laughs> but you get my point? This is a big deal. This is like the, the religious police coming to check it out, to find out what is happening here. And I want you to get your head around that. Because here's the thing. Jesus was obviously making waves in the podunk northern area of Galilee that they would even bother to come this far north. And I need us to stop for a second and process that thought because we need to understand the level of severity that is being kind of shown here that Matthew just so quickly writes, yeah, there's Pharisees and scribes that came up from Jerusalem. You've got to understand what that's, what's happening. This was huge. If Jesus cared more about human, like what humans thought of him than other people, he would have been like, man, get my best robe. We need to figure this out. This is a big deal. We need to put our best foot forward. We need to look our best. That's what Jesus would have done had he had any concern in the sense of someone's authority or someone's whatever. But he's God, so he doesn't need to be concerned with those things, right? He doesn't need to be. And can I tell you this? I just want to say this. If someone's standing over you with religious authority, listen, I love that you guys are, you know, that you see fit to call me pastor. You can call me smiley. You can call me whatever. Just don't call me late to dinner. I'll be okay, right? Like, I don't care, and I appreciate that. But can I tell you one thing, you guys? I'm human. I'm not even trying to put myself in the place of Jesus. But my point is, we are all just people. It doesn't matter what, right? Like, it doesn't really matter. The point is, are we serving Jesus? And I want to do that together, right? And so you get what I'm going with here? That these guys came with the expectation that like, oh, Jesus better be, better bind himself, better watch his P's and Q's, better do this, better do that, right? The same way sometimes, especially here in New England that I've noticed, people will talk to me and they'll be honest and real. And so you'll hear all sorts of cuss words and you'll see all sorts of things. And they're like, so what do you do, man? And I'm like, oh, I'm a pastor. And they're like, oh. And then they're like, oh, well, I'll stop swearing. Just be you. I don't care. You know? Do you get my point? That's, these guys had this expectation. These, these Pharisees and these scribes had an expectation that they were going to be met with a certain amount of reverence. And it just shows us that Jesus was having an impact, but that they still had this thing. And so what did they come with? I made that huge deal out of this because look at what they come with. They're standing before the Messiah. If they recognized who they were before, guess who should have been minding their P's and Q's? Them! Guess who should have been putting on their best robes? Them! But they come with their air of perceived authority. They come with their air of all of this stuff. And so think about it from their perspective. You're coming up. You have your doubts about this guy. 
You've been told a ton of things by other Pharisees and scribes of the stuff that's happening. You're like, this guy, what's his deal? Who is he? That's their perspective coming into this conversation. Also, we're the boss and we're going to tell them. We're going to tell Jesus if he's real or not. We're going to tell Jesus who he is or who he's not. We're going to do these things. That's the thing they're coming in with. But you're sent to investigate a guy. Why? Because he's doing some pretty insane things. By insane, I want you to read supernatural and (laughs) Messiah-like. Right? That's what he's doing. Again, I'm trying to give you their perspective on things. What Jesus was doing was anything but insane. It was, he was being the Messiah. He was doing exactly what he was called to do. But my point is, to, the, to these guys coming up, they're like, who is this guy? And we're hearing these things. And so with that backdrop and understanding, this is who they're coming to minister or to speak to and find out what is his ministry about, what's going on. They're like, hey, we're going to go and we're going to ask a question to Jesus. And what was their question? Why don't your disciples wash their hands? What? (laughs) Out of all the questions you could have asked, that's it? Not, how did you heal that guy's hand? How did you feed that many people? How did you do any of the things that we're hearing you've done? They didn't ask that. They said, why are your disciples not washing their hands before they eat bread? Put a pin in that. Keep your head around that. Here's the truth. Did they come all the way north to ask Jesus about his disciples' hygiene? No, that's not what this is about. This was literally a purely, absolutely religious question. The elders that they spoke of, did you see what it says there in verse 2? Why do your disciples transgress the what? The tradition of the elders. The tradition of of the elders. Not why do your disciples not follow the law of law of God? Not why do your disciples not show up and do the religious things that the that Moses' law says, right? That the law of God says. No. Why do they not wash their hands to fall in line with the traditions of the elders? Not the law of Moses, the traditions. Of the elders. And you guys, you need to understand these elders that they're talking about. This isn't older men in the congregation at the time. This isn't older men that had religious authority. This is like me saying to you guys, why don't you do what Athanasius said? Why don't you do what Onesimus says? Do you guys even know who I'm talking about? If you do, awesome. If you don't, who cares? They're old early church fathers. I don't care what they did or didn't do. Can we glean from what they said? Absolutely. But I'm not worried about their traditions. That's what they were talking about. They're talking about early, past people from way back in the day. That's who they were talking about. Elders that had made comments in the Talmud about, I think it was in Talmud, about different things that were like religious laws. And there's, there's an entire chapter dedicated, a huge chapter dedicated to the proper methodology of how you wash your hands before you eat bread. And that was what they were hanging their hat on. That was the question they had for Jesus. Out of all the things, that was the thing that that really bothered them the most at that moment. Notice, you guys, that it was all about the traditions. 
Let's look at where they even got this idea, this tradition. Flip back over with me to Exodus chapter 30. We're going way back. For anybody that doesn't know, that's the second book, Genesis, Exodus. It's near the end of Exodus in chapter 30, starting in verse 17. This is where one of the big kind of like touch points here for how all of this was kind of produced into this massive thing. And we've talked before, you guys, as you guys are turning there, I'll talk for a second and say this. Remember what we talked about before with the Jews? Their whole goal was to build fences around the Ten Commandments. So you had the Ten Commandments, and then guess what that blossomed into? 613 laws that they had to follow. That's what that blossomed into. Around the ten. Why? Because if the fences were out far enough in the field away from the original ten, you would never transgress the original ten because you've got all these. But then they became just as important and equal to the other ten. 613 laws. Who here can follow all ten commandments? If anybody raises their hand, I'm going to call you a liar, which means you just broke one of the commandments. Because I can't. I definitely can't follow 613. So this is what they're coming at. This is where they're coming from. So Exodus chapter 30, verse 17 says this. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, you shall also make a laver of bronze with its base also of bronze for washing. You shall put it between the tabernacle of meeting and the altar, and you shall put water in it for Aaron and his sons. Who? Aaron and his sons shall wash their hands and their feet in water from it. When they go into the tabernacle of meeting or when they come near the altar to minister, to burn an offering made by fire to the Lord, they shall wash with water lest they die. So they shall wash their hands and their feet lest they die. And it shall be a statute forever to them, to him and his descendants throughout their generations. That is what they were using to base the entirety of all their idea of why they washed their hands. Notice they didn't mention anything about washing the feet. So they were actually breaking the law too if they were trying to follow this law. So it was all man-made stuff. It was all just ideas of things. And who was that too, you guys? Aaron, who was Aaron? Remember the priest. This was for Levites. This was for the priests, and it was very specifically not about them eating. It was about them ministering. It was meant to say, basically, just like we have now where we ask, man, Lord, would you wash me clean? God, would you wash me? That was a visible representation of, of them going. And there were little prayers associated with the time whenever they would be doing it, just asking God, Lord, would you cleanse me? Lord, would you wash away the dirt from me? God, would you prepare my heart before I go and do this holy, sacred thing that you've called me to? So yes, it has, it has meaning. It has, it has bite. It has, it has power. Do you recognize just how much power it loses when it becomes this thing? And don't we do that a lot in church? I remember one time I went... Uh, to a, I was hanging out at a, at a Catholic college, and I'm not dogging on the Catholics, I'm just saying, I was at a Catholic college named Creighton University in Nebraska, and I was hanging out with friends, and they had this little thing on their head, a little plus sign, is what it looked like to me. And I was like, uh, it was black. And I was like, what, what is that about? And they're like, it's Ash Wednesday. And I'm like, oh, cool. I'm like, what's that mean? And they were like, what's well, what you do? You go and the priest puts ashes on your head. 
yeah. I'm like, but why? And they're like, well, it's just what you do. You go and get ashes on your head. And I'm like, well, that's stupid. You know, which I was a jerk and still am. But, but the fact is to me, I'm like, if you don't know what you're getting, someone putting ashes on your head, why are you doing it? Now, what's the meaning there? There's a depth of meaning. It's, it's awesome. It's amazing. It's rich. And if you know what it means, wow, it's awesome. Do you get what I'm saying? But it only means as much as it means. If it becomes a religious ceremony, then it means nothing. And so I would say, stop doing it or learn about it so you know why you're doing it. Right? Do you get what I'm getting at? And so here we are, and they're asking Jesus this basically innocuous question. So what does he do? Let's read. Verse 3, back in chapter 15. He answered and said to them, why do you also transgress what? The commandment of God because of your tradition. For God commanded saying, honor your father and your mother. And he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, whoever says to his father or mother, whatever profit you might have reached from me or received from me is a gift to God. Then he need not honor his father or mother. Thus, you have made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. You guys, here's what he just did. He answered the question with a question, which he does a lot. But the other thing he just did was lay the smack down. <laughs> Pretty much, right? They come to him and they're like, why do your disciples transgress sin against the tradition of the elders? And he's like, pulls the pin and he's like, why do you break the commandments of God? And drops a grenade. That's essentially what happens. He hits him and he's like, no, we're not playing this game. I'm not going to answer your question because it's a dumb question. I'm going to hit you with a bigger question. And that's what he does. I want to say this. This is what happened here. Because remember, who is he talking to? The cream of the crop. The people that should deserve absolute reverence. Because they've arrived entirely. And what's he say? Y'all are messed up. Y'all are messed up. And so if, if we were modern day disciples just hanging out here, we'd be like, whoa, Jesus, get him!" Right? Like that's pretty much what we'd be like. Oh, like I can't believe you just said that. Right? And this was a huge question. And Jesus goes one step further. He doesn't just drop a bomb and be like, you guys do this. No, he tells them, this is one of the areas you're doing it in specifically. He basically says, you're breaking the fifth commandment. Exodus 20, 12, honor your father and your mother that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. Instead of this tradition that they thought, man, like they had this tradition where they were like, I'm sorry, I'm yelling and Posey's awake. You guys, Posey's back there. She's cute. You guys, here's the truth. What were they saying? They were saying, that man, instead of the tradition of committing your profit to God, instead of that, Jesus is saying, like, man, you should be honoring your mother, mother and father. We need to get our head around this. They had this tradition where you could go to your parents and say, listen, all that I have, I'm going to dedicate to God. And that sounds really noble, doesn't it? But here's why they did it. So they didn't have to take care of their mother and father as they got older. Think about the culture that they lived in. They didn't have 
you know, rest homes. They didn't have retirement homes. There was nowhere for these elderly folks to go. They were relying upon the kids that could still go out and farm the land and still provide food for them and still take care of them as they grew older and became more and more infirm. That was what was at stake here. And the Pharisees, in order to gain the money for the temple, in order to basically pad their pockets, said to everyone, oh, well, here's our tradition. If you dedicate everything you have to the Lord, which means when you die, it's all coming to us, then you don't have to honor your father and mother in that way. Do you understand how that literally broke the commandment with their tradition? It's not right. It's wrong. And that's what Jesus is calling out. He's saying, look, what you're doing is, is, I mean, it's not, it doesn't even hold a candle as far as like actual sin in comparison to, I didn't wash my hands and say a certain prayer while I did it before I eat bread, which is nowhere found in scripture for everyone to do. It was for the Levites and had nothing to do with bread. It had to do with serving in the temple or at the time in the tabernacle. Do you get it? And so you guys, what was he saying? He was saying, man, God was not more important to you in this case. And God is not more important to you in some ways when you're showing it by how you act. This is twisted logic. Basically, they found a workaround. They found a workaround that allowed them to not honor their parents as they aged, but also, and this is the other despicable part of this, you guys. Here's the other reality. Guess who got to hold on to the money that you dedicated to God? You. So if you were a wealthy person, you were like, Sorry, guys. Sorry, mom and dad. I can't take care of you guys because I've dedicated everything to God. But I'll continue to live in my posh lifestyle and take care of myself because when I die, I'll just give it all to the church. But until then, I'll keep it. It was self-centeredness. It was shockingly self-centered. And so this was the, this was the religious kind of fervor of the tradition. And this is what Jesus was calling out. You guys, let's keep reading. Verse 7. It gets better. Jesus says this, hypocrites, (laughs) hypocrites. Well, did Isaiah prophesy about you saying, these people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me and in vain they worship me. Teaching as doctrines, the commandments of men. Teaching as doctrines, spiritual, scriptural truth the commandments of men. They're teaching things that just aren't there. And so Jesus drives this hypocrisy home by basically saying, I'm quoting Isaiah the prophet, and it's about you. Do you understand what's happening right now? I guarantee their pride is at an all-time high. They are hurt. They're frustrated. They're shocked that this just happened to them by this guy. Can you understand, you guys, when we look and we know the history of this, that We've seen this buildup and these things happening where there's been a bit of tension. I'd say this is kind of one of those points where it was like, oh, Jesus' fate was sealed because they hated him at this point. He just insulted the very people that in their mind could have rescued him or could have, could have you know, got behind his ministry or whatever. And what did he do? He insulted him. But you guys, do you understand that Jesus was there not for the people that thought they had it all figured out, but for the people that didn't? And I love that he's that. I love that he's that. You guys, these religious leaders spoke with an air of authority about the rules. They acted on the outside like they had it all figured out and that everyone needs to understand that they know everything. 
and that you just need to bow down before them. You need to make sure that you understand and respect who they are and their knowledge and their wisdom and all the stuff that they had. But guess what they didn't do? They didn't live it out in their lives. And I want to tell you something. God forbid, God forbid that that ever happens here in this pulpit. God forbid that any pastor you're listening to, and it happens far too often, that you find out, man, they're falling in sexual sin. They're doing all this stuff. Their life was not lining up with what they were speaking. It's important. That's important up here. But can I tell you guys, it's also important for all y'all. Because wherever you go, your family members, your coworkers, if they see a different person acting out the things than what they're speaking, guess what word might apply to you and me? Hypocrite. Now, on some level, I want to encourage you guys because here's the truth. I've had a lot of people be like, man, the church is full of hypocrites. I'm like, you're right. Come join us, right? Because on some level, we all are. We're not perfect. We make stupid mistakes. We do dumb things. So I'm not acting like we're looking for perfection here. What I'm acting like and what I'm saying is this. What made a difference between the disciples and these religious leaders? A heart to say, I want to do this right, God. Help me. Instead of saying, I'm doing this right, God, you better recognize. Do you hear the difference? That's the difference. And that's the heart we should come at it with. Man, Lord, forgive me for my, for my failings. Forgive me, Lord, for my sins. But man, God, I want to walk with you. I want to keep walking. So I want to say this. You guys know this is coming. Before we get too comfortable, looking at these Pharisees and scribes and being like, what, Losers. Let's take a look at ourselves. Stop for a second and think about this because I want to examine some things. Can't we be guilty of the same type of stuff sometimes? I got a few little examples of things that I've been kind of like, you know, just working through. And I was, I was meeting with people this week and a lot of the, the board members and just having meetings. And we were talking through some of this stuff and really just kind of like glean some stuff that I, I feel like the Lord kind of wants to point out. It's like, point out like this. These are things that are within the church that take up far more bandwidth than I think they should in our minds, at least for some people. And here's the first one. You ready? John Calvin and Jacobus Arminius. You guys know who those guys are? That's where we get Calvinism and Arminianism. And what were they? What are they? Well, there's these two guys and they had really divergent ideas of how God interacts with us and how we interact with him. That's kind of like the really simplistic view of these two things. And there are churches that divide because they have differing opinions on who, which guy's right and which guy's wrong and all this stuff. And the reality is, you guys, I think that it's somewhere down the middle. Why do I think that? Because I see it both in scripture. God's given us free will to choose him. Guess what? God is sovereign and he's going to do whatever he wants. And he knows everybody, literally everybody, even those that he haven't even been born yet. He knows who's coming to him and who isn't but it doesn't take away our free will. So what did Calvin say? Calvin's like, man, I, we can't, there is no way there can be free will because God's sovereign. Yeah, you're right, Calvin. Good job. Arminianus is like, man, there's free will. Look at it. It's all throughout scripture. We see free will. There's all these places where people are choosing. And so, man, you can choose God, but you can also choose to leave God. Well, I think you're sort of right. I think God's sovereign. But I also see in scripture where Jesus says, hey, abide in me. Don't stop abiding in me. 
And so what do I say? What does Calvary Chapel stand on? We stand right down the middle. And so in uh, certain books that you read and things, basically the concept is, is that to a Calvinist, we should sound like an Arminian and to an Arminian, we should sound like a Calvinist. And they should all be like, we don't like you. (laughs) But the reality to all that is, what does that have to do with salvation? What does that have to do with the price of bread in China? Nothing. That's right. You guys, it doesn't matter. God knows what's up. If you've chosen God, awesome, you're here. If you don't think you're chosen and God chose you, awesome, you're here. It doesn't matter. What about this? Because here's the reality of that argument, and this is the reality of so many of these arguments, you guys. They've stopped following the commandment that we're supposed to love each other in the process of standing so firmly in their camp. That's a problem. What about this one, you guys? This one might get people fired up. Hymns versus modern worship songs. Hymns versus modern worship songs. Some to some, the tradition of a hymn means that anything else is wrong. To others on the other side, they're like, man, the tradition is dead. Kill it. And I say, Jesus wasn't saying here that tradition was bad. Jesus was not saying tradition was bad. What he was saying was this, is that anytime tradition supersedes God's word, kill it. Hymns are rich. There are amazing hymns that have so much theological depth that you could study them and read them. And no, they're not scripture, but dang. They tell you a lot about who God is, don't they? And there's some that are garbage. That's just the facts. William Booth, the starter of the Salvation Army, most of the hymns, a lot of the hymns that we sing, he wrote, and they're written to bar songs, y'all, because they had a bunch of of opium addicts and drunks. And so he's like, they're not going to know the song, but I'll I'll put new words to this song. They know that one. So we can't act like these are like sacred And there's a lot of modern worship songs that have a great amount of theological depth. And there's some that are garbage. Can we just say, God created music. Let's enjoy it. I love it all. There there doesn't have to be a one versus another. And, and, And again, this is taking up far too much bandwidth in some people's heads. What about this one? The gifts of the spirit. Are they for today or are they not? Which ones are for today and how do they get used? Riddle me this. You guys, people divide over something that has zero bearing on faith in Christ. Can I tell you something? I personally speak in tongues pretty much every day. I love that God's gifted me with a prayer language. And guess what that is? It's a gift. If you never speak in it, guess how much of a Christian you are? 100%. (laughs) If you speak in it every day, guess how much more of a Christian you are? Zero percent. It has nothing to, it's a gift. My cousins, they watch a lot online, so I hope that Shane and Sean are listening. If you are, hi, Sean. But the reality is, you guys, I remember when I was a kid, they won a Nintendo. And listen, this is back when Nintendos were like all the rage, and my brother and I were still like playing our Atari 2600, and that's all we had, and we were like so not in the in the cool kid crowd. And they came running up to our house and they're like, we got a Nintendo! And we were like, yeah! And then we went to bed that night. My brother and I were like, we're jealous. (laughs) 
but it's a gift. Did they do anything extra to deserve that stupid Nintendo? No, it was a gift. Do you understand? That's how ridiculous it is when people feel special because they've been gifted with something that other people haven't. Don't feel special. Feel, feel blessed, but don't feel special. And if you haven't been, or you're just not desiring that gift, God is not up there thinking like, man, you're lesser than. That is not the case. And if you don't even think it's for today, that's okay too. It doesn't matter. If you think it does, I got to ask, why? Now, I want to caveat this a bit. God says the gifts are freely available to all. So I would encourage you, ask God for gifts. The spiritual gifts are available. Take them. But if he chooses not to give you a certain gift or gives you another, and we're all been gifted with spiritual gifts, right? But if you're asking God for a gift, I was asking God for a closer prayer life, and what came out of my mouth was gibberish. And I was like, oh, and then I said to God quietly in my, in, my, in my own head, oh, Lord, if that's of you, I don't ever want to stop. But if it isn't of you, I don't want to do that again. And I opened my mouth and gibberish came out. That's what it was to me. And something inside of me was going on that I can't explain. And, and ever since then, since I was 20 years old, that's been the way it was for me. And I praise the Lord for that. But it, I was sitting by myself under a tree. It's not about the gift. Do you understand? And it has nothing to do with salvation. So why are we so hung up on it? What about this one? Eschatology. For those of you guys that don't know what that big, huge word means, it means how it all ends. How God's going to close this chapter of history. Dude, there are people that believe. Well, first off, I want to ask this before I talk about what people believe. Does anyone here really know how it's all going to end? Again, if you raise your hand, you broke a commandment because you're lying. Because I don't. Pastors get up and they say what they believe and I have a very strong opinion about what I believe, but I'm okay if I'm wrong because I trust that God knows. And so there are people that believe and I tend towards this opinion, okay? And Calvary Chapel tends towards this opinion, but I want to say this. I'm telling you that because I feel like I should, but if if we're wrong, it's okay. And that opinion is this, is that Prior to the tribulation, there will be a rapture and we will be taken up away from all of the stuff that's going to happen. Now, there are plenty of people, even in this church, that don't feel that way. Some believe, well, maybe it's going to happen right before God's wrath. And that might be in the middle, in the three and a half year period of the tribulation, or a little bit before then, or who knows, somewhere in there before God's wrath is poured out. And they believe that. And I, I can see that, maybe. There's also some that believe all that's bunk, And that we're like kind of like building, we're in the millennial kingdom right now. We're kind of building the kingdom up so that we're going to hand God a perfect kingdom. I don't see that one as much. I have a very hard time getting my head around that. But guess what? That's called amillennialism, by the way. But here's the truth. Do you think an amillennial, if the rapture happens, isn't coming with us? (laughs) And on the way up, do you think that the people in our church that are amillennial, we're like, ha ha! But if I'm wrong and Jesus shows up and we hand him something amazing, I am more than glad to be like, wow, Lord, that didn't play out the way I thought it would. Do you get my point? None of this matters. Your eschatology is not going to affect your eternal destination. Only Christ affects that. Only a knowledge and an acceptance of the gift that God gave on the cross through his son Jesus affects that. That is the only thing. And I'm saying all that because I feel like here we are looking at these Pharisees and they're worried about water 
going over a hand, somehow religiously making it so that you could eat bread. And I feel like these are our water issues. Because I want to be a church that, man, if you want to come in and you want to do things in good order, which is laid out in Corinthians, do it. I speak in my prayer language here all the time. You guys never hear it because you're not supposed to. If someone speaks out in a tongue, I say, awesome. The Lord wants to speak. There better be an interpretation. And if there's not, there's no shame. We're just not going to, we're going to table that for that, that day. That's okay. Do you understand? I want God to move. I do believe the gifts of the Spirit are for today. But if, if you don't think that, that's okay. I'm not worried about it. Do you know Jesus? Because if you do, we're good. Okay, now we're going to go down into some deeper stuff. You ready? Getting a little bit closer to home. What about this one, you guys? And this one kind of makes me sad because everything we've spoken of now so far have been things that are, are at least religious and like have a nature of like trying to chew and understand God's word, which isn't a bad thing. That's what these have been. These next two have nothing to do with anything. That is this. If you voted for fill in the blank, you can't honestly think you're a Christian. You guys, can I tell you something? Our American political ideologies will have nothing, no place in heaven. When we get to heaven, we're not going to be like, you voted for him. I can't believe it. Think of how fickle that is. They don't add any value to the gospel. They always bring division. And it's not worth it, you guys. How about this one? I might step on some toes here and... Oh, well. What about this one? If you do or do not get the COVID vaccine, you are whatever mean thing you can come up with. If you do or do not get the COVID vaccine, you are a sheep. If you do or do not get the COVID vaccine, you don't care about anybody. You guys, it doesn't take much looking around on Facebook. It doesn't take much time talking or listening at a coffee shop to hear the divide. And I think we as a people, we as humans, and specifically Americans, I think there's something in us that we want to divide. We want to be at war. We want these things. Because can I tell you something? Even those people that say, I'm peace, I'm this, I'm that, I'm filled with this, and I'm all about this. Even those guys are usually the ones that are hammering the hardest on the nail of like, you stink, you're horrible, I don't like you. And the other side's like, you're a sheep, and you're a this, and you're a that. And it's like... (laughs) What does this have to do with God again? Where's Jesus in all this? I love you guys. I'm friends with a lot of you on Facebook, and so I am definitely stepping on toes right now. And I'm not talking about which side. And I got to tell you guys, I got to ask a question, a very hard question. Are you asking people why they don't wash their hands before they eat bread? Because I don't see any value to those questions. 
I don't. God loves you guys. God loves those who do get the vaccine, and God loves those that don't. God loves Democrats. God loves Republicans and independents. God loves us all. And the only difference, hear me, the only difference to me that's worth arguing over is if you don't know Jesus, you need to come to know him. That's the difference. That's the, that's the hill I'm willing to die on. I don't care if you get the COVID vaccine. And if you have, awesome. Like I told you guys before, whenever we went away from the mask mandate, I don't ever want to hear in our church someone saying, I can't believe you're wearing a mask. Why are you so worried about it? Hey, back off. I can't believe you're not wearing a mask. I can't believe whatever. I mean, who cares? Do what you want. You, you go with what God's convicting you in. These things are not salvific. They don't matter. They really don't. You guys, God loves all of us. Arguing and dividing over something as personal and something that is really honest to God, no one else's business, as whether you do or do not choose to put a man-made substance into your bloodstream is at best, and I'm talking to all of you, is at best unloving. At best Do we trust that God's got you? Do we trust that there is very smart people that are creating things to try to help humanity? Do we trust that not everything is a, is a conspiracy theory and not every person is out to just hate the world? Do you understand what the media is doing to us? And I don't want to get political. I, I hope you guys walk away from this knowing. No, I hope you walk away not having a clue where I stand. Because I don't, well, I'll tell you where I stand. I don't care. (laughs) There will come a time when I will get this vaccine. I don't have it yet because I've had COVID. But I promise you, I'm praying long and hard about whether, when that time is and what that looks like for me. But I'm not going to tell anybody else what's right or wrong about that. I'm not. And I don't like it whenever I hear Christians and you guys, this is the prevailing opinion that I've heard. People are sheep. People are this. People are that. No, they're not. They're thinking individuals, just like you are. Their brains work just the same as yours. They're not dumb. They're smart. And they made a decision based on their body and what they think. And guess what? Shut your mouth and get over it. That was probably a little harsh. I love you guys. What am I trying to say? I think I'm I'm trying to get at the fact that Jesus focused on the thing that mattered, which is God's word. The commandments that the Lord laid out and God told us we need to love one another and dividing over Calvinism versus Arminianism or whether we got hymns or whether we got modern worship songs or whether we speak in tongues or we don't or whether we do any of these things or whether we have the vaccine or we don't or whether we are Democrat or Republican or independent. None of those things have any bearing on Christ. And when we get, guys, if the rapture happens and you're having an argument on Facebook over why you should get the COVID vaccine or not, do you think you're going to care one millisecond after you're raptured? If we start weighing our conversation against God, does this matter? I think our conversation is going to change and I'm talking to me too. I'm talking to me too. I think we all need to start really thinking long and hard because here's one thing I do believe with all my heart 
is that time is growing short. Listen, I was born in the 70s. It's not all that long ago. Some of y'all were born way before that. And here's the facts. From the 1970s until now, I think this world is in absolute chaos in comparison to where we started. And for some of you guys that are older than me, I'm sure you're thinking even more. How much further we got to go down this road before Jesus is like, all right, we're done. (laughs) I don't know that it's very long. I don't know that it's very long. And so I want my heart. I want people, if and when the rapture happens, if and when all that stuff happens, do you know what I want people to remember about me? Like, oh man, he disappeared. You know what? He was all about Jesus. Maybe that Jesus stuff is right. Right. That's what I want. If they're like, man, he was really for the COVID vaccine. And I think that really mattered. Maybe that's why he disappeared. (laughs) Or he was against the COVID vaccine. Or I don't really know what he stood for. And I don't even really know where he stood politically. Like, do you think anybody's going to care? So why do we care so much? Why did the Pharisees care so much about the traditions of men? Because I think somewhere in our humanity, we want something to hold on to. Something that says we're right and everyone else is wrong. Again, notice, I'm not picking a side. We're all that way. I'm just as much that way. And so I'm saying, I want to be talking about the one thing I know. I know that I know that I know that I know that I'm right on, and that is Jesus. That's the one that matters. That's the one that I'll argue with someone about. That I'll say, oh, I believe you can get to heaven all sorts of ways. Oh, man, John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. That's pretty exclusive. You've got to deal with that verse. You can't just walk away from that verse. You can't just keep walking and saying that Jesus was a good man because he wasn't. He was either a lunatic or he was a son of God. You can't walk away from these things. Those are the things I want to argue about, you guys. Recognizing the whole time I'm never going to argue anybody into heaven, but trusting that God's going to use it. Those are the things that matter. There is nothing essential in any of the things that I just brought up to the faith, to the faith that we have in Christ. And these are just a few things, you guys, that dominate many social media feeds of a lot of Christians or the conversations about what a church should or shouldn't look like or sound like or how different people might feel about things that the reality is when it comes to your eschatology, you can't really know. So you should be holding it with an open hand. And I have plenty of friends that are like, no, we're going to be raptured. We're going to be raptured. What if we're not? We're going to be raptured. (laughs) Okay, what if we're not? I think we are. But what if we're not? Does it change who God is? Or does it just mean we were wrong? I'm okay with being wrong. These discussions, you guys, seem to me far too prevalent among Christians. And why? Because it's in our pride that we just want to hear what we want to hear. Social media feeds are designed that way. You're only basically going to see the things that you want to see because they're always analyzing your posts. So if you're like me, you don't post very much, you don't get analyzed that much, and so they're just throwing everything at you, which I kind of like because there's more than one side to every coin. Here's a quote from an early church father, and some of you guys are going to come up and be like, it was Augustine. Well, that's debated. You ready for the quote? It says this, in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, liberty, and in all things, charity. In essentials, unity. What's essential? Jesus. 
That's essential. Jesus. There's no other way to heaven except through Christ. That's essential. In non-essentials, whether you speak in tongues or not, whether you have the COVID vaccine or not, whatever political party you belong to, whether you like hymns or worship songs, in non-essentials, liberty. Liberty. In all things, charity. And I want to say something. If we begin to let that quote permeate the posts on social media that we make, if we let that sink in when you feel like arguing with something about something that's secondary to the gospel message, I promise you, if we do that, it will begin to change our conversation. It might even get us to a point sometimes where we're like, I don't need to engage you on that. It's okay. I don't agree with you. I'm not saying we need to agree with everybody. I disagree with a lot of people. I don't need to point that out to them. I can smile and be like, that's cool. And I'm not also talking about like, that's your truth. No, there is one true thing. I'm just admitting that I might not know what the truth is entirely on this one issue. Because what's the truth about the COVID vaccine? I think there's very smart people doing amazing things. And I also think that if you don't want to get it right now because you don't want to put it in your system, you have every right to do that. I can, I can hold two differing opinions at the same time. And so can every other adult. Right? We don't need to have one side or the other. If I speak in tongues and you don't, dude, you know Jesus, I know Jesus, we're good. We're good. I love that that's the truth. It takes a lot of pressure off of me. It takes a lot of pressure off of us, doesn't it? You guys, here's what matters. This is the focus. Jesus, God in flesh, lived the perfect life. Why? Just so he could go to the cross and die for us. To be the spotless lamb that paid for our sins. And then went into the tube and rose again, proving everything he just got done saying for the past three and a half years. That he is the Messiah. That he really did die for us. That he really did rise again for us. It was an empty tomb. And he proved it. He proved who he was. That is the most essential thing to faith as a Christian. Faith in anything else is a false faith. Faith in a certain church denomination. Calvary Chapel will not save you. We're just as messed up as every other denomination. But we're cool, so we don't call ourselves a denomination. We call ourselves a movement. Because <laughs> we're hip. But we're not going to save anybody. God forbid faith in a certain pastor. I will fail you if I haven't already. Now, my prayer every day is, Lord, don't let me fall. Don't let me fall. And so I do my very best to guard all of those things. But the reality is I will fail you. I will say the wrong thing from the pulpit. Probably already did today. I will, I will do things that hurt your feelings. I will do those things. that You can't have faith in a pastor. Faith in a man-made system to understand a very difficult part of Scripture. There are people that literally stake their entire life claim on Calvinism or Arminianism. There's whole denominations that are like, this is true. This has got to be true. No, it doesn't necessarily have to be true. And God's still true in spite of your man-made system. Don't put your faith there. Don't put your faith even in a church body. We will fail each other every day. People are hurt. How many people, listen, there's a whole movement called ex-evangels, ex-evangels. People that have been hurt by the church 
And so they left the faith. And I got to say, I don't know that you knew who God was to begin with, because if you did, you'd understand that people are not God. God is God. People are screwed up individuals just like the rest of us. And you too, by the way, ex-vangel. Right? Like that's the reality. We put our faith in Christ. We put our faith in a perfect, loving, holy God. That's where we put our faith. We don't put our faith in anything else because anything else is just garbage and it's going to fail you. I want our church to lean into these essentials. Flip over with me. I know I'm going long. I'm sorry. Hebrews 1. It's our last verse here. Hebrews. The author of Hebrews writes this in chapter 1, verse 1. He says this. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, set down at the right hand of the majesty on high. You guys, that's the essential. Jesus did the work for us. We accept it, we receive it, and we are saved. That's the, that should be the focus. You want to see revival? Stop arguing about COVID. Stop arguing about politics. Stop arguing about stupid secondary things and focus on what matters, and that is Jesus. He's the one that changes lives. Nothing else does. Not one other thing. John 14, 6, I already said it. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. What other debate or discussion is worth dividing over? None. There is none. I want his name to be on my lips, not some theological argument, not a debate about some other thing, and definitely not something as trivial to the kingdom of God as to which political party I belong to. Because I tell you what kingdom I belong to, God's. I serve a king and a kingdom. I vote for a president. That's how it goes. And I also see in God's word that he puts into power those he wants into power. So no matter what person you voted for, God put in who he wanted to put in. And can I tell you, we have not had a Nero yet. Or a Caligula. Or any of the people that were in power whenever these things were written. And, and if they can be written under despots and psychotic people like that, can I tell you, we're doing pretty good in America. So how about we praise God for who we have in the, in the office instead of hammering? How about we pray for that person? Because they have the weight of a lot of worlds on their shoulders that we don't have. And so I thank God that there are people that are willing to step up. And nobody does it perfectly. Let's focus on what's eternally important. Amen? Let's pray. Thanks so much for listening to this message from Great Bay Calvary Church in Dover, New Hampshire. We're so glad you found us. If you want to learn more about our services or need prayer for something going on in your life, come connect with us at greatbaycalvary.com.